Thanks for listening to the podcast from Gary Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Wilson, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. Lord, you are the promise keeper. You're the promise maker and the promise keeper, the way maker, and yours is the only way through your son Jesus. And we come ready to hear from you now from your word and from your spirit. We open up our minds and our hearts willing, willing to hear from you, desiring to hear from you so that our souls are lifted up to you. And Lord, we pray for this service, but we also pray for the service next door in our gathering place. We pray for the service down the hall with our, our partner church, our collaborating church, uh, Door of Life Church with Pastor Ken Fontenot. We pray for their service. Lord, we recognize that there are many iterations of your church in this city, and we, we want to collaborate for all those that are sharing the gospel. So, Lord, give us the spirit of cooperation and unity first in our place, but then as we work together to see people hear about Jesus. We pray for our Rocky Mount campus today for the same thing. Lord, be so present with us. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to be disciples that follow Jesus. Lord, we surrender afresh to you now in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. Take a seat, please. a disciple means we're learning to be like Jesus, growing in his character while learning to do the things he could do, developing his competencies. It's about character and competency. To do this, we increasingly pattern our life after the life of Jesus. So one of the questions we have to ask is how Jesus would pattern his life if he had your job, if he had your personality type, your family situation lived where you lived, or made the same amount of money that you make. When we examine the life of Jesus in the Gospels, what we see emerge is a particular way of relating to the world around him. He is very intentional in how he used his time to invest in certain kinds of relationships. It's the pattern of his whole life and ministry. Put another way, Jesus had three great loves that his entire life oriented around. In Mark 9, 2 through 29, we see Jesus go up a mountain to pray. But this wasn't abnormal for Jesus, was it? Throughout his life, he was constantly getting away from the crowds and everyone else to spend time with his first love, attending to the upward dimension of his life, his relationship with his Father. We then see him come down the mountain and run straight into the people he's investing his life into, his disciples. Jesus was never ambiguous about who his spiritual family was. In attending to the inward dimension of his life, Jesus spent more than 50% of his time with just his spiritual family and no one else. But then, he steps out into the full brokenness of the world, driving out an evil spirit from a troubled boy. Jesus attends to the outward dimension by dealing with sin head on. He's concerned with how sin affects individuals, how each person is separated from God because of their sin and doomed because of it. And he's concerned that when you get a bunch of sinful people together, they create systems of sin and injustice. Sin creates individual problems and communal problems. Jesus stepped out and brought hope to both. Three great loves. He was deeply connected to his father. 
He was constantly investing in those his father had given him to disciple and to be spiritual family with. And he entered into the brokenness of the world with good news and asked for a response individually and communally. To be disciples of Jesus, we pattern our life in the same way that Jesus did, up, in, and out. Most people are naturally good at one. They're okay at a second, and they're fairly bad at a third. But rather than simply playing to our strengths, we commit to be learners. The invitation of Jesus is to pattern our life after His, to learn His ways, and to let His power be made perfect in our weakness. But we also recognize that because a collection of Christians is the body of Jesus, we want the full expression of Jesus, not just parts of it, so that these three dimensions saturate community life as well. Whether it's a group of eight people or a group of 8,000, when a group of people is committed to truly being the body of Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins stoking the fires of a red-hot center by which people can't help but be drawn into the warmth of. When we have a spiritual family learning to live into up, in, and out in a communal way, people the Lord has prepared can't help but be drawn in because this community is the gospel made visible. So we're in week eight, the final week of our series through uh, the renovation of the heart. And today's kind of unique in that, as we conclude, we have that in mind, concluding our eight-week series, The Renovation of the Heart. But also, this is Vision Sunday, so if you're visiting for the first time, you might find this as kind of an unusual service. And it, and it is, in fact, kind of unusual, because we're going to be reporting on how we uh, responded on our spiritual formation survey a couple of weeks ago. So I'll be reporting a little bit about that and also casting a vision for uh, our church afresh to us so that we know where, where we are headed. Now I have to say to you during this series that I've been hearing so much testimony from you, so many testimonies from you saying, we're experiencing what you're talking about. We're experiencing renovation of our hearts. We're becoming more and more desirous of being like Jesus. And see, that's what it means to be uh, believers. It means that we're growing more and more like Jesus, that we're submitting our lives so we're becoming less like ourselves. I must decrease and he must increase. And so that, that Jesus is having a larger and larger influence over us. Because we're convinced of this, that you can change the outward things in your life. You can move around the furniture of your life and, and it won't change your life. You'll, for a season, think it's changing your life, but it isn't. You can change houses, you can change jobs, you can even change spouses. But wherever you go, there you are. You're still bringing you. And if there's no heart change in you, there's no real change. And that's why our theme verse for this series has been from Proverbs, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Real life change takes place at the heart level. We have to have heart change, and only God can do that. And we have to say yes. Our part is to say yes, I surrender. And I want, I want Jesus to, to be my Lord and Savior. I want him to come into my life. And more than that, I want to become like him. And, and it's not about my effort, it's about my surrender. I guess the only effort is that, to say yes to him. I want your will more than I want my will. I want you to bring my will into alignment with yours. And so our hearts are like the control center 
It's like the driver's seat of your life. The, the, the spiritual heart that we're talking about, the renovation of that heart would be this. Here are the, here are the car keys. Here's, here's the driver's seat, Lord Jesus. You, go, you drive. I'm, I'm going to go over here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you lead my life. I'm going to let you. I want you to empower my life. I want to be like you. This is why Dallas Willard says a disciple is who Jesus would be if he were you. you if you want to be a Christ follower, it means less of you, more of Jesus. Because if you're wondering why you're going through what you're going through today, you might be, why am I going through this? God, what are you doing to me? What? I want you to know God tells us in his word what he's up to. He says, my desire for you, my children, those of you that have trusted Jesus, my desire for you is to make you like Jesus. So that he's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He cares more for our character than he does our comfort. He wants us to become like Jesus in every aspect. So a couple of weeks ago, we took a survey. And, and it was the second time we've taken it. We took the same survey in January of 2022. And we thought, okay, we can check the pulse, the spiritual pulse of our church and see how are we doing. If, if as a church we are commanded to make disciples of Jesus Christ, are we doing that? Are we making people that are growing up to be like Jesus? And we thought, okay, so let's take a survey and ask you how you think you're doing. So that's what we did. So I want to go through some of those pretty quickly. And 280 of you at, our, at both of our campus, campuses responded. So we had 280 respondents. And then out of those, the average age was 44, which is kind of funny because just a year ago, the average age of those that took the survey was 42. So somehow we lived two years last year. I don't know how we did that. <laughs> maybe, maybe it felt like two years. I don't know. But here, here's some of the responses. I'm going to go through them quickly and just put the, the, the images up on the screen. Here's the first. We took a, a survey, and this was question number seven. I'm just going to pull out a few of them to give you a sense of it. Question number seven said, which of these best describes your personal understanding of Jesus? And 95% of you said, Jesus is my Savior and Lord. So that means that we're a church that's 95%, at least those two Sundays ago that were here, that said, yeah, I'm a Christ follower. And that leaves 5% that were in the room that had various other answers about their relationship with Jesus. Go to the next slide. Uh, question number nine. When you professed faith in Jesus, was this something that happened to you here in this local church or some other church? And 20% of you said, I came to faith in Jesus in this church. That's one out of five of you came to faith in Jesus in this church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then the other 80% of you, God sent you here from other places and other churches, and we're glad you came because you were already a believer and you came here to help us serve. But I, I want to continue being, don't you want to continue being the kind of church that, that we're seeing new life coming in, that 20% of the people, I'd love to see uh, 30%, 40% of the people who come to our church actually be, hey, I got saved here. I, I was not a believer until I came and heard the gospel. And so that's what you said. So go to the next question. Question number 11, how do you personally respond to the following statements? So these are kind of theological statements, and they might be too small for those of you that are sitting in the nosebleed section in the back, but I'll read them to you. Uh, I believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. They, I believe the Bible is the word of God. 97% said, yeah, I believe that's true. 97%. 3% said, I'm honestly not sure what I believe about that. Okay? So that, that's, what, that's how you reported. 
Go to the next. Uh, well, I'll read. Uh, the Trinity. 99% of you believe in the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the way that God has revealed himself to us. I believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation. 98% said, yeah, I believe he's the only way. 2% said, I'm not sure about that. Not sure if he's the only way. Not sure about that. Now, this is the one I was most interested in of all of them. If I were to die today, I'm 100% sure that I would enter heaven. And we gave the lowest response on our theological list here, 92%. That means 8% are not sure about that. And, and so you look over here, it's 7% here. There was another, there was actually 1% that did not believe they would. They, they, they actually said, I don't think I'll go to heaven when I die. 1% of people said it. But 7% were unsure. And, and listen, I want, I want you to know this. The scripture says that you can be sure. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, John writes, I write these things to you so that you may know. I write these things to you that believe in the, in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. You can know. You don't have to guess. And so get with somebody and find out how you can know. But 7%, they weren't sure. Go to the next one. Currently, how close do you feel to God right now? Uh, if you average it all out, 280 responses, we came out with like a 75 here. Now, people, some people put zero. Some people put one or two. Some people put a nine or ten. We averaged around seven. That's actually higher than last year when we took the survey. Go to the next one. How consistently are you intentionally spending time with God and His Word in prayer each day? So in other words, you have a daily quiet time with God. This is slightly higher than last year as well. So we're growing. I think we probably grew a little bit because we have a daily devotion that we've given out to you. That's probably helped you, right? I hope it has. Otherwise, I did a whole lot of work for no reason, right? But I'm glad you're following. I'm hearing a lot of great feedback from the daily devotion. So we want to teach you so that you don't just eat from God's Word on Sunday. You'll starve to death during the week if you don't learn to feed yourself. And so we want, to, we want to be a people. So you said a uh, little bit less than seven uh, on the score there. Next one. Do you feel confident in your ability to read the Bible and engage with the Holy Spirit in a transformative way? Another time, we, like a seven and a half here. This is higher than last year, which is an improvement. But what we're saying here is I know how to read the Bible for myself, and I know how to allow the Holy Spirit to apply it to my life. Now, now, several people put down a one or a two on this. They don't know how to do that. And we want to help people grow. This is what we're doing. We're checking the pulse. Do you know how to read the Word for yourself and to have God speak to you through His Word, through His Spirit? Do you know how to do that? And some of you said, I don't. Well, we want you to learn how. But, but we, as a church, we're improving on that. We're, we're working on that. So go to the next one. I feel confident in my ability to disciple other people towards spiritual maturity. We gave ourselves a six, six and a half on that one. And so we have a process called Life on Life Discipleship. We want, to, we want to train you, equip you to be able to be a disciple and to disciple others. But we were a little lower on that score. Higher than last year, which is better. A little lower than where we want to be. Next one. Next slide. What, what would you say to this statement? I, I not only know what my unique spiritual gifts are, but I'm currently using them to serve this local church and beyond. So we gave ourselves a seven on that. So do you know what your spiritual gift, gift or gifts are? Every believer receives spiritual gifting. And so we have a process that we teach you, uh, a way to determine that. And so, so we scored pretty good on this one, but there's still room for discipleship for people to grow. Go to the next slide. 
What would you say to this statement? I not only know my unique story of salvation, but I'm also ready to share it as God brings opportunities for me to do so. In other words, we said, we said a seven on that one, which means a goodly number of us feel, hey, I know my testimony of how Jesus saved me, and I feel confident that I can share that with someone else. Now, now last week we had Brother Stan Bacon come up and give his, his testimony. Remember that if you were here last week? And we're a church that wants to train you to do that. And so if you take our Life on Life discipleship process, one of the things that we teach you how to do is how to write your testimony down so that you've thought it through so you know how to tell other people your salvation story or your grace story. We want to be the kind of church that people know how to do that. And so, so we scored pretty high on that one, but we, we can grow. Uh, question number 26 was, we know that God calls us to give. When you think about your ability to give generously, how do you think you're doing? And I agree with that. We, we feel we are a generous church. We are. And I'm thankful that God's made us a generous church that's ready to give. And then when you start breaking it down, go to the next slide. We start asking people, okay, what portion of your income do you give? About 25, 30% say I give less than 3% per month to the local church. Uh, and then you get all the way down here to this one. This uh, 35, almost 40% of you said I give over 10%. I give 10% or more per month, which shows that we're way above the national like church average, uh, which is 20%. 20% gives 80% of, of the budget for most churches. And so we're a church that's growing and giving. I thought it was kind of funny that like 20% of you said, I'd rather not answer this. Well, it was already an anonymous survey. <laughs> we wouldn't know who you were, but you were even afraid to tell yourself what you do. I mean, that was kind of funny. I thought that was kind of funny. Okay, uh, go to the next slide. How much do you personally feel that the Great Commission applies to you? The Great Commission is where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And we said, like a nine. Like we believe, our church, man, we like, we believe the Great Commission applies to us. That's one of the highest scores we got on any result. And then go to the next one, because this is kind of the contrast. Because basically, we believe it applies to us, but how are we doing on living it out? We gave ourselves a five and a half. That was really honest. That means several people put really low scores. So in other words, we know it applies to us, but we're not faithfully doing it. Okay? Thanks for these honest responses. That's a place that we need to work and grow uh, to follow Jesus. And is there any more? Let's see if I got another slide. Is that the last one? Yep, that was the last one. Okay, so now here's what, here's, what I, here's what we put together. We put together four character studies. Like we looked at all the survey questions, all the responses, and we tried to gather together some personality types. And the first one we want to introduce to you, and if it's you, just keep it to yourself. We, we know you. We love you. We saw that you took the, the survey. But the first one is, is Bible Belt Bob. Bible Belt Bob. And I worked so hard finding these emojis. I hope you like them, finding these. This is Bible Belt Bob. He's been going to church and been a Christian for over 20 years. He's completely satisfied in his faith, but he doesn't know how to read the Bible and hear from God himself. He's been going to church, sitting in these seats, doesn't know how to read the Bible for himself, doesn't know how to pray and hear from God. He doesn't know how to tell his story. He doesn't know how to tell somebody else what Jesus has done for him. And he's losing his spiritual zeal. He remembers back when he first got saved how on fire he was, but he's just kind of, eh, right now. See the look on his face? Eh, meh. That's where he's at. And what he needs is a new vision. He needs some vim. He needs vision. He needs intent that says, I want to grow. And then he needs the means. He, gets, he needs to get with some other believers in a community group and say, how can I grow? Help me grow. 
It doesn't matter how old you are in age. What matters is, are you growing more like Jesus? So that's Bible Belt Bob. Don't lift your hand if that's you. You know, Just stay with us and start growing. Here's, here's the next one. Undiscipled Dana. Undiscipled Dana. Now, Dana's been a Christian for a while, too, but she doesn't know how to lead someone else to Jesus. That's why we got that lower result on being faithful to tell others the Great Commission. And she doesn't know how to be a disciple, and she doesn't know how to disciple someone else. So she's been a Christian for a while, but she really needs to be discipled. That's the RX. That's the prescription that she needs. Sign up for life-on-life -life discipleship. Get a mentor, a coach. Get someone that's more mature than you are in the Lord and get serious about growing. Here's the next one. Satisfied Sally. She's, look at her. I'm satisfied. I'm happy. Like, she's been a Christian for a long time. Guess what else? She knows the Bible. Like, she, like, if you had a Bible trivia quiz, she'd probably come in first place. She would win Bible trivia Jeopardy. She would, she knows the Bible. But, you know, she's already done her due. She's getting a little older, and she's like, yeah, I'm just hanging around with all those baby Christians and stuff. I'm good. I can stay at home by myself. I can watch the sermon online. She's satisfied. She's a believer. She knows the Bible. But you know what her prescription really is for her to grow? She needs to share what she knows because there are younger believers that are missing her as a coach, as a disciple, as a Titus woman, if you will, to teach the younger women how to grow. So satisfied Sally needs to get off her duff and pour out. Okay, here's the final one, just trying to put them together. Unsure Sean. He's the reason that we had that low score on the theology responses. About 7% of us said, I don't have confidence that if I died today, I would spend eternity with the Lord in heaven. I don't have confidence. And so he's, he's not sure of his salvation. He's been a regular church attender. And we, we looked under the hood at these questions. There are people who, who said they've been attending their church for close to 10 years, and they checked the box. I'm not sure I would go to heaven when I die. That broke my heart. That means there are people here if you just come talk to me or come talk to one of our, our community group shepherds or one of our leaders, that any one of them could tell you how you could know that you know that you know that you're a follower of Jesus. You don't have to leave here unsure, Sean. You can be salvation sure, Sean. Try saying that three times fast. And so here's what we're talking about today. It's an unusual sermon today because it's Vision Sunday. And so, so what I'm looking at here in the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians 6 chapters, the Apostle Paul from the Holy Spirit has given us a vision for the church. If you want to know what the church is supposed to look like, what it's supposed to think like, how it's supposed to behave, read the book of Ephesians because that's why the book was written. It was written for the church, a vision for the church. And as we look at chapter 4 where we'll be digging down today, he, he gives us a vision for how to build up believers so that they, they get a vision for how to follow Jesus, so that they follow the patterns of Jesus life and they have the three loves to love God to love others and to love ourselves and and to know how to love up to love in and to love out like that and so as we're looking at the text today that's how we're going to uh, be describing it so let's dig in having said all of that let's dig in chapter 4 verse 11 of Ephesians and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, 
to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's Word. Amen. So we're looking for these three loves from the pattern of how Jesus lived. And the first is we want to be built up to maturity, get a vision for being built up by growing up. Growing up in the faith and knowledge of Jesus. Growing up how? In knowing Jesus and having more and more faith, ever-increasing amounts of faith in Jesus. So we look up. So the first thing that it means to get a vision that for the church is the church is the place, and it's the people, maybe more than a place. I say, It's the people of God, the body of Christ, because the church is not the steeple. The church is the, the people. It's, it's the body of Christ, first of all, saying we are identifying ourselves as people who are marked by faith in Jesus and that we're the Jesus people. That's who we are. We're the Jesus people and that we're all about celebrating Jesus, worshiping Jesus, and we, we're growing in faith and believing and trusting Him more and we're growing in knowledge of Him. And that word knowledge has the idea of relational, intimate knowledge to really know Him. Not just to know about him, but to be in a relationship with him. And so, so Paul opens up here with this idea that the church has been gifted with this fivefold gifting. And he names them apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, or pastors, and teachers. And so the church has been given this fivefold gifting from, from the Lord Jesus in order for the church to do what? To equip and build up the saints. That word build up, it's a cool Greek word. I love Greek words. As as you know, the original New Testament was written in Greek. Oikodome. Sounds Japanese to me for some reason. Oikodome. Sounds like a Japanese word. But oikodome has the idea of to build a house. So the verb here is that the body of Christ is to be built up like a house. And to be built up in unity. Did you see that in the scripture? In oneness. And to be built up in faith and knowledge in Jesus. So that we're, we're together looking up. And so we're singing songs about Jesus. We're hearing the word of God and it's causing us to depend more on Jesus. And we're the Jesus people. And when the rest of the world is divided and arguing and finding different camps to, and different identities, we're to be the people that go, no, we're one. We're different. Because Jesus lives in us and we follow him and we're more and more growing in him. And I would recommend to you, if you want to know more about Jesus, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. Just like saturate your life with some daily reading about how Jesus thinks, how Jesus talks, how he moves, how he acts, how he treats people. And then, and then say, as I'm reading this, Holy Spirit, show me how I can more let Jesus live through me so I'm becoming less of me. I must decrease and he must increase so I'm becoming less of me and more of Jesus. 
And so get a vision, Paul says for the church, get a vision for becoming like Jesus because that's what God wants to do. That's his purpose. And, and grow up. Stop being like children. Stop sucking your spiritual thumb. And, and it begins with, well, how do I grow up? How do I do it? You've got to eat right. You've got to feed yourself the Word of God. You've got to hear the Word of God preached. You've got to be with other people that are living out the Word of God so you, feed, you learn to feed yourself, right? And you learn to get access. So, so a Sunday sermon's not enough. I work during the week to put together the best table that I can set for you so it's a balanced meal. And I actually look at the whole year, 52 Sundays, and I try to think, okay, we need some carrots. We need some broccoli. We need some steak. We need... We've got to have some dessert in there so the kids will stay at the table. So I got to put that. And, 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 and so all year long. But that ain't, that's not enough. That's just for Sunday. So then the other thing I'm trying to teach us how to do is how to feed yourself, which is why we gave you the devotionals, the renovate devotions. Learn to feed yourself so you don't starve. So how do you grow? So you feed, you learn to eat from the Word of God. And then the other thing is you exercise. And how do you exercise? Well, you exercise what God... So those are the spiritual disciplines. So you pray. That's a, that's a spiritual exercise. You read. That's spiritual. You fellowship. I could go through them all. I don't have time. But you want to grow. So do you want to grow to be more like Jesus? Pursue Jesus. I want to know you better. And the thing about the Lord, I just think about this. He's constantly... You read the book of Psalms. His eyes are roaming to and fro, looking for a heart that would yield towards him, looking for someone that would just say, how about me, Lord? How about me? Look at me. Would you let me become more like Jesus? Oh, you know what he's thinking? You know what he was going to say? That's what I want for you. If you say yes to me for that, I will do everything for you, my child, to make you more like Jesus. That's what he wants. Romans chapter 8 says that he's the prototype He's the firstborn, the one that we're to pattern our lives after. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn. That, that word prototakos, it's where we get the word prototype. Uh, firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You want to know what God's up to? Look at Jesus. He's the prototype. Look up. Pursue Jesus. He's real. Listen, do you believe that the spiritual world is just as real as the physical world? I do. The Bible does. He's right here, right now. The Lord Jesus, by the Spirit of Christ, is right here in this room. You can talk to Him. You can walk with Him. You can hear His voice speak to you. He's alive. He's risen. And He is ready to empower you to live for Him. Pursue Him. To Second Peter, Peter writes, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and uh, to the day of eternity. Amen. Grow up. Stop being like children. How do you do it? Put Him in the driver's seat and ask for it. Lord, help me grow up to be more like Jesus. Now, some years ago, we bought this building after 19 years in the wilderness as a 
uh, the roadie church, if you will. We were all over town renting spaces. We bought this old movie theater. And when we first bought it, I went up on the roof to see the condition of the roof. And as I was walking around, standing up there, I looked across and I saw Wilson Medical Center across the way. And I said, well, that's just appropriate, isn't it? After all, we are the hospital church. No wonder God put us across the street from the hospital. We're the ER church. People show up sin sick and relationally broken. And we're the place, the messy place, that will love them anyway and we're the people who say come as you are and be forever changed by the love of Jesus so come on in but don't stay that way don't stay the way you are grow up but it's messy you know if if you come into the ER and and uh, and you're bleeding and you got a big mess they they're the ones that help clean you up there has to be some mature physicians and nurses in the church so that we need some mature people here that are willing but also not judgmental like, how'd you get like that? No. Let me help you with that. How can we be those people? And then what if a baby's born over at the hospital? Are they just like, okay, check them straight out? Well, some of you might say, with insurance, it kind of seems that way these days. But anyway, no, they, they put them in a little bed and they help them. And, and praise God, we got a little baby in the house. I, I got to say something about this, that we have prayed for four months that's at church for the first time. Can you just wave at us back there? That's a miracle baby back there people that baby wasn't supposed to survive that baby's here amen Isn't that wonderful and so so we want to be the kind of church that has spiritual babies that, that spiritual baby might be 60 years old we have people that took the survey saying I got saved in this church when I was 66 <laughs> I got saved in this church when I was 54 we had that in the survey so you could but that person is 54 but they're a spiritual baby they're a spiritual newborn so we need to be the kind of church that doesn't just say, hey, get out of the crib and go. We, no, we need to make sure that somebody is taking care of the newborns. Y'all still with me? So we want to lead people to Jesus. We want to be the kind of church. We've got a vision for the church. If we want to take them to Jesus, I'm not the answer. I'm not your answer. I'm just one of you. I'm, I'm one of those five-fold people. I'm, I'm that shepherd guy. Okay, And my, and my vision is not... It's not to fill every one of these empty seats. It's not to see if we can get a bigger building. It's not to see if we can be a mega church. You want to know what my vision is? Look around you. It's you. My vision is the vision that Paul had, that was his vision, that the vision that Jesus had. He looked upon the people and he had compassion in his heart for them because they were sheep without a shepherd. And that's my heart. And I love you. And, that's, and I want you to know Jesus better. I want to know Jesus better. And here's what I believe. We don't have to worry about the empty seats because if it gets out, if it gets out that we love people and our vision is for people to get closer to Jesus, the seats will take care of themselves. Because that's a broken world out there that needs Jesus. And so that's why we're here. And so church, let's get a vision because here, here's, here's what we've written down and I believe it's consistent with what we're studying today. We said... That we're a church that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ who have a growing heart for God, heart for, our heart for each other, and heart for our world. So that first aspect is the upward, is that we want to have a love for God, a growing heart for God through knowing and growing of faith in Jesus Christ. Now here's the second one. I, I spent some good time there. Let's move on. That was grow up. Now let's grow in. Grow in. The first way is growing up, and then we're growing. And we're going to grow in truth and love. Look at 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, 
into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. And so we're the body. The church is the body of Christ. He's the head. I'm not the pastor. I'm the under. I'm not the shepherd. He's the great shepherd. I'm the under shepherd. I work for him. And we're to grow up into him. We're to grow up into Jesus, but we're to do it together. And we speak the truth in love to each other. Now, I want to I talk about that for a second. Jesus hung out with them disciples. And that some of them guys, were, they were boogers to be with. They were, they were prickly. You know anybody prickly right now in your small group? Or maybe they're sitting on the same row with you. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. They're sitting on the same row with you. But they're prickly. It might be someone you take home with you. It could be your spouse. I don't know. They're kind of, you know what I mean, prickly? You get up close to them, and, and they're, kind of, they, they're kind of hard to be with sometimes. Prickly. A little bit prickly. And, and this, this truth and love thing means that we're going to be transparent with each other and trust each other. And this is a saying we have in our church, building a bridge of trust that will bear the weight of truth. And so we want them to know that we love them no matter what, but we also want to speak the truth to each other, stop lying to each other, stop putting on airs, stop pretending, and be real, be authentic. We're the messy church, and we know it. We're the hospital church. Welcome to the ER. We know that. Okay, so we're all in different places in our spiritual growth. That's okay. Speaking the truth in love, to be that kind of people that stops playing at following Jesus and gets real with each other. And so to grow up to be like Jesus, it's necessary to hang out with his other disciples. Can you imagine what it was like for the disciples? Peter always talking without thinking, always shooting his mouth off. The sons of thunder with the bad temper problem. John and James. Jesus said, you guys are like sons of thunder. They were just always get, losing their temper. Then there was Simon the Zealot that just would not stop talking about politics. Judas Iscariot over there, he was all about the money. We could go on. Every one of these disciples. But if they wanted to follow Jesus, they had to hang out with each other. And over time, what we know is they learned to love each other. And following Jesus means we learn this love part, this truth in love, this authentic, to be a church that's truthful. Insert the word authentic. Insert the word real. And then in the word love, I want you to think about this with me for a second. Insert the word, well, underneath that word is agape in the Greek, which means God's sacrificial, unconditional love. And so that kind of love says, I'm going to love you no matter what. It's not, it's not, I'm not going to love you because of, I'm going to love you in spite of, because Jesus has so loved me, and I, I feel I've grown in faith and knowledge to the point now where I know Jesus so well, and he loves me to the uttermost. Warts and all, he loves me. And so now that love has, now flow, has flowed to me to the point where now I can love others, and it's not effort. I'm not going, I'm going to make myself love you. It's... I see them the way Jesus sees them. Now, if you go to a restaurant and you see some family that's got that uncontrolled toddler that's just like throwing food and beating his head on the floor, you're, you're all like trying to ignore him. Like, I'll be happy when they take that kid out of here. I wish somebody teach them how to parent. You know, you're thinking all kind of judgmental thoughts, right? 
Some of you are like, wait a minute, you're talking about my family. No, anyway. <laughs> but you know what? That family that comes in with that, with that kid, they, go, they leave with that kid. They don't just like, because y'all, one of y'all like to take this kid? We're going to leave this kid here. No, the kid's a mess, but they take them home. Because you know why? They're family. They take them home. Now, some of you, right now, if you was to do what you're actually doing inside your noggin right now, inside your head, you'd be laying out here in the floor right now, beating your head on the floor, and just, just being who you really are. <laughs> I'm glad you're not, because it would scare us, but be distracting. But you're that kid. But here's what I want you to know. We're the family of God, and we're not going to leave you behind. Now, but, but there's a part that you have to own. You can't ghost us. Older people, if you don't know what that means, ask the younger people. They'll tell you what that means. My grandchildren are teaching me such vocabulary, so I know things now. To ghost somebody means to just disappear without a word. This happens in the church all the time. You have the, the church bouncers, you know, they just hop here, hop there. Somebody says something they don't like, they go over here. But I want us to be the family of God that we stay at the table, even when prickly people are around us. And if you can't think of anybody prickly, you're probably the prickly person, so don't worry about it. But, but we're, we, and you know what the test of agape love is? How, not how you love somebody that's lovable. They're easy to love. You know what the test that you have the love of Christ in you? Is that you can love someone that's hard to love. They're God's gift to you. Like you're thinking right now, they're sitting next to me. <laughs> well, you need to learn to love them. How do you learn to love them? By thinking, how, how does Jesus view this person? I want to I love them the way Jesus does. And I want to I love them the way... He would love me. I want to love them like they were my brother or my sister, which means I would tell them the truth. But I would also let them know our relationship is never at stake. I'm here for you. Well, I probably talked about this one long enough. Let me give you some background from other scriptures. Romans chapter 12 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So though many... Uh, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So we're to be one. The mark of the church is that we are in unity, and then we have the mark of love. We're following Jesus. John chapter 13, Jesus tells his disciples, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, so you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's how the world will know because we'll be so utterly different than what's going on out there on social media and on the news and in the neighborhood and the workplace and the school that we love each other and we stay unified. Not false unity, but speaking the truth in love, telling each other and being authentic and real with each other in love. Well, that's a vision of growing in towards one another as we follow the pattern of Jesus, how he loved. And then finally, by growing and going out as Christ's ministers. If you look at the beginning of our reading today, there's that five-fold gifting of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Why did Christ give the church this wonderful gifting? Why did he do it? In order to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Look at the people next to you. They, as believers, are the ministers of this church. 
I'm not the minister of the church. Don't call me the minister. I'm the pastor. I'm a shepherd. I'm not the minister. Now, I have a ministry outside the church, and I will be a minister out there. But my job to you is to equip you and to build you up so that you go out and do the work of the ministry. And just think about that. We're an army. Like, not only are we the hospital church, but all of us are, are out there trained, being trained to go out and to rescue people. That's what we're being trained to do, to rescue people in the name of Jesus. And we're to no longer be children. Look at verse 14. Stop sucking your spiritual thumb. Grow up. How do you grow up? Just ask the Lord. He wants you to grow up. You don't have to stay where you are. Grow up. Spiritual children, uh, people that haven't grown up, everything that comes around knocks them out of their tree. There's tossed and, and thrown about by every spiritual doctrine and, and wave. That they're like an anchor. Grow up. How do you grow up? Learn to read the Bible. Learn to study the Word on your own and pray and talk to God. Be in fellowship with other believers. Know how to share your testimony. I don't know how. How long are you going to say that? I don't know how. There are people here that will teach you how. They'll help you. They'll talk to you about your testimony, help you learn how to word it so you can tell others. Everybody that's a believer ought to have an elevator speech version of your testimony. Like between the first floor and the third floor, you ought to be able to tell them something about how you love Jesus. Everybody ought to have a Walmart, a Walmart checkout line version of your testimony. I know most of us are, Walmart doesn't have checkout people anymore. You just self-serve. I don't know who you're going to talk to. Find somebody in Walmart. There's people in there. Now, I'm terrified to go in there, but I, 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 when I go in there, I have a mission. And it's to get what I'm supposed to buy and get out of there. But I'm trying to remember what Jesus would do. And besides, here's the thing. Everywhere I go in town, there you people are. I can't go anywhere fast. <laughs> All right, brother, come on. If I go into Lowe's, every aisle I'm on, I meet one of y'all at Walmart or wherever I'm going. Maybe you're the same. But when you go, remember you're carrying Jesus and be ready to talk about him. First Peter says this, make sure that in your hearts you honor Christ as Lord. Always be ready. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you about the hope you have. Be ready to give the reason for it, but do it with gentleness and respect. And so here's the thing. Because we are following Jesus, we're learning more about him, we're growing in our faith, more of him, less of me. Then we're learning to love each other, warts and all. And that's how we know we're really loving with the love of Christ is when we learn to love people that rub us the wrong way. That's the real test of whether or not you're growing in agape love. And now as we go out, we recognize we're sent out on mission. So we gather for power and we scatter for proclamation. We gather for encouragement and we scatter for evangelism. And so this is what we're learning. And so as we go out, we're being equipped. We're gathering here for equipping so that when we go out, we're telling people about what? Not about our church. Stop inviting people to church and start inviting people to Jesus. If you'll invite them to Jesus, then they'll need a church. Then you can tell them about our church. Tell them about Jesus. Okay, I don't know. Do you know Jesus? Yeah. Just tell them you know him. Tell them what he's done for you. You're the worldwide expert on what Jesus has done for you. Nobody knows more about that than you. Learn to tell people about that. 
This is what Jesus has done in my life. And get a vision for it. Get a vision for the pattern of, of the three loves that Jesus had. To love up, to know Him better, become more like Him, to love in, to love each other with the kind of love that loves through all things, and then to love out and to be willing to rescue the, the hurting and to tell them about Jesus. Now I want to close with some visional thoughts, and I know I'm running a little bit long, but hang in there with me because this is, this is Vision Sunday. If you're here for the first time, you're like, what kind of sermon is this? Well, it's unique because I'm casting a vision, and the vision is for you. And the vision is not mine. Paul was casting it. And it wasn't Paul's because the Holy Spirit gave it to him. This is a vision for the church. And our church says it like this, and I'll put it up on the screen for you, that we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ who have a growing heart for God, heart for each other, and heart for our world. Up, in, out. That's, that's, our vision is you. We are, we are equipping you to be, uh, to be out there driving little ambulances, <laughs> out there picking up people on the side of the road, patching them up and getting them with Jesus. And some of them will come in here and some of them will come to some other church. I don't care what church they go to as long as it's a gospel preaching church, but we're going to be out there telling people about Jesus. We're being equipped for that. It says in Matthew chapter 28, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's our commander-in-chief who gave us the vision. And we've just worded it, heart for God, heart for each other, heart for our world. That's our, that's our vision. And then our focus here is because we're in eastern North Carolina, we're in Wilson, we're in Rocky Mount, our second campus is in Rocky Mount. In Wilson, there's 83,000 people that live in Wilson County. There are 95,000 people that live in Nash County. Can we reach them all by ourselves? Maybe over, over 50 years, but what if, we, what if we tried to collaborate with other churches? Well, that's what we hope to do. We want to get with other churches that believe as we do and cooperate with them to try to reach these people. So if you put, put this map up, we've kind of drawn a, a picture here. This is Wilson County. And all those blue dots, can you see those blue dots? That's your houses. So if you've given us your address, we plotted it on the map. And so um, I, don't, I don't know if Youngsville's here uh, today. Is Youngsville in the house? Are y'all back there? They're usually sitting back there. I don't see them today. So there's people that drive from Youngsville. There's people that drive from, from Greenville, from Farmville, like that. I don't know if any of y'all are in the house today, but we have you plotted on the map here. And you can see all up in here, people, people that drive to us. Uh, from different locations. Down here's one in, in, in Grange. Here's people driving all the way from Black Creek. My goodness, look at that, right there. And so, but, but we're trying to get strategic about this and think, okay, wherever your house is, that's a place where the church is. Because you are the church. And we want to get a vision for, for your neighborhood. So that's how we're thinking. We're thinking, okay, how are we going to reach all these people? We've got to equip you because we know you live in all these different places. So here's how we've worded some of this. Here's our 10-year vision. Here's our 10-year vision, putting it up on the screen. We will be actively collaborating with other gospel-centered churches in Rocky Mount Wilson and a third yet-to-be-identified community because we're, we want to plant a third campus, right? You, you know that, right? We want to plant a third campus. Uh, so that every man, woman, and child has repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel. That's what we're about. That's our outward love that, that we 
that we have a heart for our world. This is our, that's our 10-year vision. Here's our one-year goal. We are implementing a gospel saturation strategy so that every man, woman, and child is having repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel in our circles of accountability for the two communities we are currently serving. So everywhere where those blue dots were, that's, those are the household circle of accountability. So where's this, where's this place? Uh, we're going to look at a map here in just a second that tells us what, what our circle of accountability is just for this, this house right here. What's gospel saturation? Here's our definition for gospel saturation. The church owning the lostness of an identified people in a defined place, ensuring that every man, woman, and child has repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the good news of Jesus. So if you hear me saying gospel saturation, what we're saying is we're just trying to get the good news out there every kind of way we can get it out there until not one single person in our circle of accountability in Wilson, and Nash, you know, Wilson County and Nash County, nobody, nobody can say, I didn't know. We're, we're taking away that. We're going to make sure they know and get an opportunity to, to, be, to be able to know Jesus. So we've, we've got some 90-day goals, and let me give you those. The first is to identify our church's COA, our circle of accountability for both campuses, for Wilson and Rocky Mount, and to identify and assemble a local delivery team for gospel saturation for both of these COAs. So here's, here's the Wilson map. Pop this one up. This is for this location. And so you can see it's like a rectangle. There's Wilson Medical Center. Here's Eastgate Church. Over there's the food line across the street, right? And so if you kind of look like this, here's Forest Hills. Here's um, Tarboro. There's Ward. And, and then there's Raleigh Road. So if you kind of look at that and just say, we just kind of picked that because it was like an easy square to, rectangle to pick and say, what, what would it look like in, over the next year to just say, how can we make sure every single man, woman, and child could our church... Now, that's, that starts becoming believable. Like, okay, could, maybe we could make sure every one of them heard the gospel. Like, how would we do that? And so we would, we would do outreach to the hospital because it's across the street. Why wouldn't we do things... Why, why wouldn't we do things for Vincent Bynum, for the teachers? By the way, we already are. We already are. Why wouldn't we... There's a nursing home over here uh, on uh, Forest Hills... The women are doing something. The women's ministry all are doing something for the nursing home over there on Forest Hills. Why wouldn't we do the food drive that we've been doing all over the city that's coming up before Easter? Why wouldn't we do it here and try to use some kind of handout while we're doing the food drive that has something about the gospel in it? That's what we're planning on doing, by the way. That's what we're planning on doing. So what we want to do as a church is to start brainstorming how can we make this our circle, which is actually a rectangle. I should call it the rectangular of, of, uh, of accountability. But anyway, this is... How do we concentrate here? How do we, how do we think outside the box to make sure every man wanted to? This is taking seriously going out with the gospel. And then we found out something else. Remember all those blue dots? We found out that nine of you live inside this square. And we found out like Peace Church has 10, 10 houses, 10 households that live in that square. We know that right here, located right here, well actually it's up here on Tarboro, is Christ's Temple of Praise with Pastor M.K. Smith. They're inside. And so I've already talked to Pastor MK. He's like, hey, I, we're, we're strategizing on how to reach these people right here. You want to join? Absolutely. Pastor Gary, tell me what y'all are doing. I want to be part of it. That's what we're trying to do. Y'all excited? Yes. 
That's what, that's what we want to take seriously, the commandment to make disciples. So that's the first thing uh, in our 90-day goals. Here's the next one. Make a list of existing teams and events that could be refocused towards gospel saturation of our circle of accountability. So men's, women, women's ministry, ch uh, children's ministry, youth ministry, whatever. How can we start focusing some of their missional events into our COA? Identify and set the date for the first effort. Well, we already started. I told you about the food drive. I told you about uh, the, the women's ministry doing the event at the, at the nursing home. And then finally, the pastor will cast a vision to the church for this, for collaborating, for gospel saturation, and for establishing a legacy fund. Well, I can check that one off right now because that's what I'm doing right now. I'm casting a vision to you for this, but also that we're opening up a new fund in our church center app called the Legacy Fund. Remember how you reported that 35% of you are already tithing above 10%? What we've identified is some of you have the gift of giving. And we want to we free you up to say, we've opened up a new fund called the Legacy Fund, where when God tells you to do it, know this, that whatever you put in the Legacy Fund above your normal tithe, that that will give us the uh, ability to be nimble when God gives us an opportunity to reach people with the gospel, we won't have to wait and do a fundraiser. We'll be ready. And we won't touch that money until God tells us to. But some of you, not all of you, but we've identified some of you have the gift of giving and you're going to want to put it in the legacy fund so that you leave a legacy for the next generation to hear the gospel. And so that's the vision. And uh, I'm glad to share that with you so I can get that off my 90-day goal list. We're concluding our series today. It's been a great series but we're challenging ourselves now to get a vision for growing up more like Jesus, in, more connected to His body, out, ready to share His love with the world. And I would challenge you as we finish up, we, this coming Friday we finish up our journal, our 40-day journal. Why don't you take this Saturday or maybe someday that you have free, maybe you don't have Saturday free, and look through your 40-day journal, your Innovate journal, and read through all the prayers in one sitting that you wrote. And then notice how many God already answered. And notice how you've grown. And maybe put a date on your calendar saying, I'm going to pull this journal out again six months from now and see how it speaks to me now. Don't just stop. Don't just stop after this week. Keep on growing. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Lord, you've, you've given us such a love for you and such a love for each other. And Lord, we've identified that, that we're growing in that, but Lord, we need to grow even more in our love for others outside our community. Lord, show us how much you love those outside so that we know how to talk to them about you. Help us to be prayerful about it, prepared, trained for it. And Lord, as I think about this, I'm thinking about that person that might be here this morning that's never committed to you, their life. If that's you, my friend, I hope right now you'll say yes to Jesus. Right where you're at. Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're in the room next door. But you, right now, God's listening and He's ready to hear you surrender to Him. Would you do it right now and say, Lord, I want to follow Jesus. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and that He was raised from the grave and that He lives today. Come and live in me. Forgive me my sin. Make me a child of God. I want to follow you. I want to be a Christ follower. If you're praying that prayer, believing, He'll save you and make you a child of God. Others are here and you know Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. But you haven't...
committed to grow up in Jesus. You've been too satisfied just staying right where you are. You've been too comfortable. Right now, would you say, Lord, I want to grow. I want to grow, Lord. I want to be discipled. I want to grow in discipleship. I, I want to I take responsibility to follow and to grow and to be what you want me to be, Lord. I pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen.